You are listening to Rechurched, a podcast aimed at instigating Christians to be Christian. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Rechurch Podcast. My name is Ethan Hoover. I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Mayer. Today, we are transitioning from the progressive gospel into the political gospel. And this is going to be an interesting one. I'm excited to dive into the discussion. Um, but before we do, you want to start with an icebreaker? Oh, man. <laughs> you ready? I don't know what's coming at me. So, yeah, let's do it. All right. What is your favorite place of all the places you've traveled? Oh my goodness. That's a great question. Been to so many places, so many cities, probably at different times in life with different vantage points. As a pro soccer player, (laughs) I've been to a lot of different cities. And unfortunately, when I think about that time in my life, I realized I was everywhere, but I was nowhere. Mm. Because I don't have like a recollection of that time because I was living for the world. Mm. So if we're talking about luxury As far as the weather is concerned, I would say it's got to be somewhere warm. So somewhere in Florida, Siesta Keys is beautiful. Oh, yeah. You've been there. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. If we're talking about landscape, I've been to some pretty awesome locations. One place in Kansas where you just saw like the the rolling valleys or fields and then mountains in like painted into the sky. Beautiful. That's awesome. And similarly, Sarah and I were in California. We were doing an event in, let me think of, the, it was like a desert. I'd have to look it up, but we literally were driving for hours to get to this event. And we were on those very skinny roads where one foot to the right was like the cliff. And these huge boulders to each side, but it was beautiful. It was orange rock. Oh, and we awesome. were just like going up this mountain, zigzagging. That's sweet. Yeah, yeah. I love I love that kind of landscape. Like Utah is like very deserty, like like that. Colorado, the Red Rocks. Beautiful Colorado. Like, yeah. Ooh, the Garden of the Gods in the Garden Colorado. Garden of the Gods is beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. My dad's from Western Kansas. So literally nothing but flat earth, just cornfields forever. But it's epic. It's really cool because you can, like, you could be in the sunny day, right? And then yep. you can look across and just see this giant storm going on. It's crazy. And you're like, wow, that's crazy. Like, yeah, it's just nuts. It's not like New Jersey. Like, New Jersey, we have trees. They have like, they have trees, but when you get into the cornfields, it's just cornfields. Like right. it's just flat for as far as you can see. It's crazy. But. You know, we'll go to these pretty awesome locations for ministry. I'll be invited to speak in some capacity. And here, here's my routine, Ethan. I'll get off the plane. We'll get the rental car, go to the hotel, check in, lay in the bed, do my study and do my research, do my emails, wake up the next day, get to the event, pour my heart out, stick around and meet some people. Go back to the hotel, eat a meal, go to bed, get on the plane, go home. That's what I would do. You got to enjoy it, man. Come on. Well, when Sarah's there, now let's interrupt that thread. We get to the hotel and she's already researching, you know, the the local coffee house to check out or the local, you know, popular scene to take a picture at. And what's cool because it gets me out of my comfort zone. That's cool. And we went to, you can look this up, guys. It's called Salvation Mountain. Salvation Mountain is a hillside visionary environment created by a local resident in the California desert area of Imperial County. Imperial County. That's where I was. So Salvation Mountain. Check it out, guys. You might even find Sarah and mine's picture if you search on Instagram. But right on the other side of this mountain, Ethan, is what's called Slab City. Right? And it's, it's a city 
of lawlessness. And police don't even govern it because it's an old like military grounds and it's basically it's a tent city. So if you go to these wow. cities today and you see a bunch of homeless people, that's what Slap City is. But it, like so here we are on Salvation Mountain and right over the mountain on the other side, it's very eerie. If you've seen the movie The Hills Have Eyes, oh, yeah. that's what you feel. Yikes. And it's like, don't leave Salvation Mountain. I think Yikes. there's an, an analogy here for the Christian. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, speaking of lawlessness, um, my favorite place that I've ever traveled um, is Thailand. Uh, in Phuket, Thailand, It's it was beautiful, like tropical, but... I think we were there for like 10 days and we saw one cop and I don't think he was even on duty. He was just, he was just getting groceries. <laughs> so like they, people just do whatever they want. There's, there's no sense of police or law and order there. It's just kind of like, do what you want. It's nuts. Wow. Um, but landscape, beautiful. Mm. Um, they have like sort of those, if you've watched the movie Avatar, those islands that look like like pillars just yeah. out of the sea type of thing like they're floating almost like they that's what they they look like it's wow. beautiful um so we we got to do like a bunch of cool stuff like snorkeling and you know going to all the different beaches we were able to feed elephants and all kinds of really cool stuff there but that was probably my favorite well welcome back good food yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway in that icebreaker we kind of talked about location and today we're talking about politics and so which kind of goes with location and citizenship so what we're going to address is the political gospel you can't talk about politics and be a christian at the same time <laughs> so what do we mean by the political gospel when we say that all right let's set the stage in the previous episodes we talked about the progressive gospel so if the progressive gospel or the progressive christian movement can be marked by leftist ideas the political gospel initially can be marked by right-wing ideas and the reason i want to start there is because i don't want anybody to ever think that our show is partisan we're not prescribing to any one party but the christian actually let me say something that we all need to hear we all should be partisan we should be partisan to a person and that person is jesus christ so to be clear the gospel is political but we're going to talk about the political gospel. Every Christian should identify with a biblical worldview, which helps us define right policies, right politics. How do we handle the political arena? I think it's worth defining, right? The Greek word polis is actually the word that we know as city. It's where we get the word citizen, which is what you just said. Being a citizen where God has placed us in our context it's the United States of America. A citizen, part of a city, would concern himself with the affairs of the society or the community. In fact, that's not only biblical, it's a mandate. God gives us a mandate in the Bible in engaging with the world around us. That's so a, That's a politically charged word. That's, that you just that's why I chose it. <laughs> that's right. That's why I chose it. We have been mandated by God to be citizens of heaven on earth. Paul would write that. Citizens of heaven. He wrote it to the, the Philippians. The Philippians knew best what it meant to have dual citizenship. Did you know that? Hmm. They would never really... Some of these Philippians might not have ever been to Rome, but guess what? They had Roman citizenship. Hmm. So they understood where they were. 
they could tap into Roman citizenship, and that meant something. It came with the rights and responsibilities of the state they lived in. Okay, so that's why Paul chose that. The Philippians themselves would go, I know what that means. I'm a citizen of heaven. I have dual citizenship. Here I am on earth, yet I have the role and responsibility to represent the God of heaven. Jesus said, we're the salt, we're the light. That, of course, would lend itself to understanding salt engages what it touches. Okay, so I'm a Christian, I engage what I touch, but I don't compromise my integrity, which is biblical truth. Right. So while I mingle with the world, I influence the world like salt influences a meal, I don't allow the world to alter my substance. We're not going to change from salt into a different like form. That's right. We're going to stay salt and impact whatever we're touching, flavor, pre- preservation. That's right. And when salt loses its flavor, that's what Jesus said, it's good for nothing. Right. He, he was saying when it's leached out, which is what you just said, when it's, when it's mingled with other ingredients. So yes, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're called to be the light of the world. So we basically are the conscience of any given community. The, the, church, the church and Christian are. We are the conscience. We are the moral standard. We are the pillar and the ground of the truth. That's what Paul would write in one of his letters. Mm-hmm. You are the church of the living God. You are the pillar. What do we know about a pillar? Pillars uphold. So if we're not in our right place as the church, as a Christian, then of course society is going to go wayward. Yeah. Is that not what we're seeing right now? Jeremiah chapter 29 will again give us this idea before we even go further. I want to make sure we understand we're going to talk about the political gospel, but we must understand as Christians, the gospel is political in the way we just defined it. The gospel lends itself to the affairs of a community. Gospel implications impact humanity, period. Jeremiah 29, the letter from Jeremiah to the captives in Babylon, he says something that we can glean from. He says basically, while they're in captivity, while they're in this foreign land called Babylon, they're to build homes, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat their fruit, take wives, beget sons, daughters, take wives for your sons, give your daughter. Like, here's the cycle of life. Like, live life. You're in captivity, but live. And then he says this, seek the peace of the city where I've caused you to be carried away captive. Pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace, you will have peace. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, seek the peace of the community that God has placed you in because as the community has peace, you will have peace. Hmm. If you don't seek the peace of the community you live in, how do you do that? Wherever the Bible is front and center, biblical values, biblical morals, biblical guidelines, the people flourish. When the Bible is put aside, cast out, the people run amok. There's that. no peace in our world right now. Why? Because the Bible and God have been pushed completely out. Right. So what's that got to do with politics? Well, a lot of the ways that legislation hits community is through politics. So we should care about the laws on the books. Why? Let me say it this way so our listeners don't miss what's being said. Here's the error. The political gospel places the hope for the people of God in political power as opposed to spiritual power. Okay, so that's the political gospel is a Christian going, you know, I'm trusting in man and man's system more than God and God's wisdom. Yeah. The political gospel believes people can be saved by passing laws. So while laws matter, legislation matter matters. Why? Laws are useful to restrain evil and to sustain good. Romans 13, and we'll tease that out in a little bit. But no matter what, no matter what laws hit the land, man is wicked. Laws and policy cannot set a man straight. Only the gospel can change a man from the inside out. 
So what you're saying is the political gospel is like someone going, this president is my savior. That's right. Rather than going, Jesus is my savior. That's right. It's about doing the right thing. You're responsible with what you do on earth, which means I'm going to do the next righteous thing, which means if it requires me to cast a vote for a platform that aligns with my biblical worldview, I do it. But then I remove my trust in the platform and I leave the outcome to God. That's the difference, right? True Christianity goes, I'm going to do whatever I can to engage culture, to be salt, to be light. Hey, sign the petition. Hey, go to the voting polls. Do the right thing. Know what God would require of you and then take your hands off it. We have lost the heartbeat of God. And that's why in the last election, Ethan, people, they were arguing about, you know, which side should we be voting? The one guy's personality is rubbing everybody the wrong way. So that's not godly. God would condemn that. He's an adulterer. He's this. He's that. You know what? I'm not going to do anything. I'm actually going to cast the vote on the other side because he's got a gentle personality. And he's like my grandpa. And I'm going, hold up a second. It's not a personality competition. It's not a popularity competition. These legislations on the books, appointments of justices, judges, they last for decades. It's about policy. It's about platform. So we align these platforms, politically speaking, with the Bible, and we affirm what is godly. And then we take our hands off, like I said, and we trust God for the outcome. Saying God's will be done should never be an excuse not to do God's will. That's what people have done. You know what? I'm not going to touch it. God's will be done. And you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And I'm going, that's an indictment on you. Yeah. Let's get back to the origin, right? Where did the political gospel come from? It's man's longing to make man the savior, like you said. And we actually see that happen in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. And I, I want to add a verse to this, Ethan, that I've never saw before, but it's simply remarkable. So here's Israel demanding a king. The first king of Israel was a man named Saul. He was the people's choice. He wasn't God's choice. And this is how God allowed the people to be given over to their decision because God is gracious and he's not going to force his way on us. Watch this. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5 through 8. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and called to them Samuel and said to him, Look, you are old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. They wanted to be like the nations. God was supposed to be their king. God was supposed to be their judge. But this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. They've rejected me that I should not reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also like Samuel. It's not about you. They've rejected me. Now, watch this. I never saw this. In Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 and 15, God said this. This is his principle for governing kings or government. Now, government is God's idea. So God put it in place. We see that in the Old Testament. We see what happens when man goes against God's standard. You get tyranny. You get oppression. We see God's standard of government in the New Testament. 
We see Romans 13 giving, giving us a case study on how it should be properly executed. But here in Deuteronomy, it says this, when you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, this is to the Israelites, and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. Right? We just read that's what they did. This is what God said. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Did you see, did you see what you see what was added there? That it should be from, it should not be a foreigner. And what, right? what else though? Whom the Lord chooses. Oh yeah, yeah. Whom the Lord chooses. Yeah. So then who, you see it in what what you're saying is what First uh, Samuel that then the people chose. That's right. And God's like so. Oh. God was like, I'm going to give you a system to govern you, but trust who I choose. They don't. They trust who they choose. They get Saul. Saul was a disaster. Mm. Who do we get after Saul? We get God's choice. We get the one that God said, he's the one. And then you see the system of government. And of course, it's just a cool case study to, to see. There's an origin to this. Man's desire to choose man over God. And the result will always be chaos. Unless the man and God will use different people in different places and different prom- prominent positions to influence culture in a righteous way. All right, so we could talk about the origin of the political gospel and all those different veins for probably like a few hours, but what is like the main pitfall or the first pitfall, I guess, of the political gospel? Right, so in one sentence, the first pitfall of the political gospel is we make the state God. We bow to these politicians, these elected officials, as if they can save us, and they can't. So again, that doesn't shirk the responsibility of making sure we vote in the people who align with our values, but we saw in the past X amount of years, and it's even happening now, there's this obsession that the evangelicals, many of which say they're Christian, they still have with Donald Trump. Now, now how, here's how I want to tease this out, because I would unashamedly say that was the right choice in 2016, and the world didn't see it coming, and there's a whole spiritual component attached to this. That's what This is what we're talking about, biblical worldview. How do you see it? it comes down to nowhere. That was God-ordained. God puts him in place, which exposed a lot of us, a lot of people's hearts, a lot of industry, a lot of lies, a lot of the deep, entrenched deception and evil that is called government. And this guy comes along. He's brass. Orange. <laughs> orange. Orange man bad. He's, you know, arrogant. He's blunt he has mean tweets like and you could say a billion things and i would all i would affirm that like yeah okay yeah so but you're missing the point god puts this guy in place god daniel 2 ordains god raises up kings god takes kings down biblical worldview don't matter who it is there's not an excuse again not to to vote righteously so the party platforms were hillary clinton donald trump they could not have been more opposite if there was ever a time for any christian to go i want to disassociate with the platform it would have been then but then the moment you do that and you hit your you know vote to the other side you then run into well you're supporting a personality that is an adulterer and this and that and it's going hold up a second you all missed the point but then what happened was he wins 
He's in the White House for four years. If you read between the lines and you read the platform and the policies that were executed in those four years, you see that, man, he was upholding biblical values, pro-life. He was protecting our children, pro-military, capitalism, which is personal responsibility, like everything that is aligned with biblical worldview. Oh, what about the borders? That's a biblical worldview too. God's for borders. There's nothing about being against immigration. It's illegal immigration. Like huge difference. (laughs) Like huge difference. So every argument breaks down when you start critically thinking about what's being said. Okay, but he's racist. Oh my goodness. That is the cultural Marxist way of deflecting true conversation. Back on track. He, He did something good for the land, even though you would see a lot of the waves that were created. Okay. He loses against Joe Biden, who's now our sitting president. The argument during that the election cycle was you can't possibly vote for him again because of what he stands for, and that's his personality, versus you can't possibly vote for the other side because everything on their party platform is antithetical to the Bible. So many of Christians removed themselves completely and said, I'm not going to engage, which I think is the wrong thing to do. Welcome to 2022. You're seeing the ramifications, the consequences of that type of response. So thank you very much for those of you in 2020 who use that type of philosophy. You now have to buy a carton of eggs and milk for like $12. (laughs) I just filled up my car for $70. Yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, that's a whole nother topic. Don't get me started. I need to be rechurched right now. Yeah, right. So we go from Cyrus, biblically, God uses a man and now he's becoming Saul. Hmm. What do you mean? Because there's still people like hanging their hat or hitching their track or trailer, whatever you want to say, to this guy. And I'm going, that's the political gospel. He's not going to save you. He's not going to save America. He's not going to make America great again. That's not happening. The church needs to get godly again. That that needs to happen. When the church gets godly again, we will begin to see the remnant of true believers making the impact that God has for us. That's the point. So it's not majoring too much on a person. Previously, it was the platform. Okay, I, I believe in that platform. And we can tease that out for days, bro. I'll talk to any... You better... Hey, anybody wants to push back? You better come with your Bible Come with your Bible, baby. Know your Bible, and we can talk about every major issue, and I'll take you right to the Scripture. Come correct. If you don't come correct, don't come at all. That's rechurched. Now we're in a position where we're looking at, here's what we're content with. If the state isn't God, we're content with a godless state. And why is that? Why, do, why, is, why are we content with just a godless state of, is it just because we're only to, here for a little bit? Yeah, the Christian is told that separation of church and state is how we should operate. So so they're taking, some Christians are taking the, the idea of polis, citizenship, and applying it just to heaven, which is true, but we also have a temporary citizenship that we have to uphold, like you said, salt and light. So they're taking that and kind of running with it, with forgetting their, they're shirking their responsibility now. In the American context, one million percent. We have a different framework of government. That's the point. When Paul wrote Romans 13, it was a Roman government. It was an oppressive, it was really a type of monarch with an emperor. He was God. That's why they said Caesar is Lord. 
So Romans 13 applied with their governmental framework was submit when the government is good. And if the government is no longer upholding good and punishing evil, which is God's intention, do you submit to it still? Well, of course you don't. You don't submit to what God calls a well. But that doesn't mean we don't pay our taxes. Doesn't mean we're not upstanding citizens. Doesn't mean we don't abide to traffic law and even tort law, which can be defined by love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's what tort law is. Like, I don't want to hurt you, Ethan, because I'm a good citizen. So all of those things are true. However, we should care about laws and legislation because God gave us 10. And those 10 can be reduced to two. And the two are love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if God is not front and center and God is not on the throne of our government, then of course you get the opposite, a vacuum, and evil will always fill that void. And government has always been the number one persecutor of the people of God in human history. All right, so I want to dive into Romans 13 because it talks about submission to governing authorities. And you mentioned Romans 13 a few times that we would dive into it. So case study that takes you in two different directions has been misused over the years because Paul wrote to, like I said earlier, a context with a Roman government. So right away, let every soul be subject to who? The governing authorities. Who were the governing authorities in Paul's day? Romans. Okay, so let's now add it to the American context. Let every soul be subject to who? The governing authorities. Who are the governing authorities in our day? The president and the constitution. The constitution. And, yeah. <laughs> this, the constitution is the supreme law of our land. So it's we the people, just to remind people, we the people are the governing authorities. And we put in place presidents and politicians and the House and the Senate. And that entire system is put in place to protect people's rights a.k.a. the Bill of Rights. So let's keep going. Yeah. The Bill of Rights were rights, uh, uh, in essence, that were given by God. That's why they added him that these alienable rights. These are rights that cannot be taken away, and the government is put in place to protect those rights in the American context. So let's keep reading it. So the government, then, is a minister of God to do what? Sustain good, uphold good. Or punish evil. Or punish evil. When we submit to a government that is now punishing good, and honoring evil, you're seeing something inversed that welcomes a curse. God did not intend government to punish good, righteous living. So we're talking about laws that go against moral law, ethical law, spiritual law, when there's an attack against truth. For example, in 2015, they legalized homosexual marriage. That is against God's law. So Christians should not have, you don't submit to that. You, in fact, try to push back as much as you can and this is where you go all right we lost that battleground and you move on but you don't use politics as an excuse not to engage in laws that affect moral order ethical order the order of truth family life in our last episode pro-life pro-choice the list goes on so you keep reading through this you realize This is the execution of the proper biblical way. Government is used by God. So when government is no longer used by God, they forfeit their authority. That's the point. How do I know that? Because a man who's a husband who starts to cheat on his wife or is abusive to her sexually, physically, emotionally, he forfeits his divine appointment. There's no blessing on his life, even though that's a God-given role. But he's not acting out 
the responsibilities of that God-given role. So God goes, I can't put my favor on you. Similarly, in the American context, the favor of God is not on our current governmental structure. It is evident throughout our land. And when God takes his hand off a of land because the government is no longer honoring him, you see evil and lawlessness unleashed like never before. And this is where the church has erred greatly. We've not gotten involved. And we are currently seeing the ramifications of not being involved. And we are also seeing, like I said earlier, the political gospel is a right-wing problem. Like people are still holding on to hope of man and there's no hope in man. So I doubt Donald J. Trump is going to be dropped off by Air Force Two Squared on the White House lawn to take over the presidency. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't see that. People believe that. People are actually still holding on to that. I'm going, it's time to let that go. Yeah. And it's time to focus on what the church of Jesus Christ is required to do in this time frame. The window of grace is getting smaller and smaller, and we have to understand our role and our responsibility for such a time as this. Look in the mirror in the current condition of our land and realize we did that. The church, we've been silent, which will lead us into the next episode, Ethan, which is I want to define separation of church and state. And I really want to put to bed that lie because imagine if I used a lot of these scriptures that are used like, well, people have used so many scriptures to to make sure that we're not supposed to be involved in politics. And I'm going, show me in the Bible because the Bible is filled with political narratives. Imagine if I was in jail and I've said this before and I use that verse like jail wasn't a permanent destination for me. I was just passing through there, Ethan. It wasn't my home. I, I, don't, I wasn't going to live there forever. There was another destination for me on the other side of jail. Imagine if I said, you know what? I'm just passing through here, and I stayed in my area, and I read my Bible, and I prayed, and I conducted myself like a good Christian inmate, citizen of that realm, and didn't engage the non-believing world around me and didn't make an impact, and didn't do whatever I could possibly do to make that godless culture a righteous culture. No, no that, that's, that's exactly what God called me to do. Yeah, we're shirking the Great Commission at that point. We just... And you know what happened? It's a selfish gospel. The it's lawless crazy. environment that we lived in actually went from lawlessness to law. But it wasn't because the system changed. It was because the people within it began to take seriously treating each other the way we wanted to be treated. And all that came from God's word. And I watched it. And I, and I watched God move because I said, like Jeremiah 29, hey, you seek the peace of the place you're in and the peace is going to benefit you too. That's how you properly engage the world that you live in. But you don't hold tightly to anything. You move through this world knowing it isn't your home. But while I'm here, salt delays the decay of the day by simply being in the way. As long as God has put breath in my lungs, I'm going to engage the world around me in a righteous way. And if that requires me to vote, if that requires me to move in a political arena, swim in a political stream, hey, hey, here's how important this is. Let's tie last several episodes, progressive gospel to the political gospel. Progressive gospel, of course, affirms all these things that we said are not biblical. The political gospel has allowed those things to actually make their way into our society through the political arena arena right yeah so roe v wade actually legalized abortion 
So the progressive Christian says, well, of course, it's a women's choice. The political gospel person says, we're going to overthrow the system. And yet, you got to find a balance. The goal isn't to overthrow the system. The goal is to recognize we let it happen. We got to stand up for truth. And now we got to stand up and do whatever we can. And, and politics matters because if it was in the hands of the judges to make it swing one way, it's in the hands of the judges to swing it back the right way. My whole point is this. They're currently, the Supreme Court is currently seeing, now that's, this is the political arena, currently going to preside over a case that's going to deal with it's Dobbs versus Jackson's Women Health, which is tied to Roe v. Wade. So the 1973 landmark case of Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion could possibly be overturned by judges who were appointed by a president who carried certain pro-life values. So yes, Christians should care about that type of appointment, that type of value system, that type of platform. The pushback about why we don't engage, again, is because of the lie of separation of church and state. And I want to spend an entire episode teasing that out. I've really wanted to make sure my own filter, my own upbringing didn't get in the way of presenting the error of the political gospel where we trust man, the hope we place is in man, a system, while at the same time making sure nobody out there goes, well, we shouldn't engage in the system anyway, right? And I'm going, no, you got to find the right integration of not trusting man, but doing the righteous thing which requires you to support man. Like yeah. you see the balance there, yeah. but it's, it's a balance that I think you find by obviously being in the word, but I think it's something the Holy spirit gives you. Like, it's not something that you can go, Oh, here's a formula for, to do that. It's something you prayerfully do and engage with. Would you say that? Cause there's no, there, there's no formula like, Oh yeah. If, Hey listeners, if you do, X, Y, and Z, that will equal a perfect balance on how to engage with politics. Yeah. It's like you, you individually have to be in the word. Got to be in the word. From a biblical worldview, like an actual biblical worldview. Actual biblical check worldview. yourself. That's right. And allow the Holy Spirit to check yourself and then be led right. by not yourself, but the Holy Spirit. Right. And I think it sounds cliche, be led by the Holy Spirit, but I think... The Holy Spirit is a helper, right? Right. For us to understand truth in ways that we couldn't naturally understand it. Right. And so I think that's the only way we can balance and see with new eyes how to engage properly in a political world from a perspective of a Christian. That's right. Does that make sense? That makes too much sense. It is knowing the word and the word has to live in your conscience, which is how God the Holy Spirit governs our decisions, our perceptions. And the reason I say that is because I actually sat with people, Ethan, before the 2020 election who told me, I just don't see it that way, Pastor. And they would give all the popular, political correct opinions about why they didn't see it that way. And this is what they would say. And I'm just going to vote my conscience. And I would say, hmm, it's okay to allow your conscience to be your guide, if it's God's word that guides your conscience, there's a huge difference. So God's word has to guide your conscience. And there was a lot of people that just couldn't get past their hate for the president. Hmm. And they were completely blind to what was happening in the present. 
This is what wakes up the true believer, to be willing to stand for their faith, even in a godless day and age. That's what it's going to take. Well, at the same time, I don't want to leave anybody off the hook, not even myself, right? I'll talk about the person that did put their hope in that administration or in a person or in, or in Pence or in Trump or, or this. I'm going, we should never do that. We should never do that. We should do what's righteous and we should take our hands off it and leave the outcome to God. But the point is my conscience will be clear before my God because I did the right thing. I was willing to engage even when it wasn't popular, when it wasn't politically correct. And now that the decision came in, whether there was fraud or not, whether it was manipulated or not, whatever happened, God allowed it. God is sovereign over it. We now have a new administration and they are the complete example of what it looks like when God's judgment hits a land. So then we say, what is the Christian's role now? Because if separation in church and state, that lie is what got us here, and a lot of Christians didn't engage like they should have, then what's the response now? I think that's what we want to talk about in our next episode. That's a great way to land the plane, man. Well, I think we're going to end right there, and we'll see you guys in the next episode. Uh, again, make sure you like the podcast. Make sure you follow and subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, with your family, with your network. Truth is, as the church, we need to be rechurched. We need to be refined in our biblical worldview. And we are not the end all be all for that. The word of God is, but we hope that this is a tool to help you become rechurched. So thank you for listening. Make sure to submit a question for our Q&R episode that is happening at the end of season one. For information about our podcast, information about us, your hosts, um, to apply to become a sponsor and to submit a question, you can go to rechurchpodcast.com. We will see you in the next episode. God bless.